Oh man, I am running so late. Hopefully, Milt will get the setup going there. I texted him, but well, you know how that goes. Oh, there's his bike. Okay, he's here. Excellent. All right. Well, let's just get this show on the Milo? My pass? What the hell do you mean I gotta show you my pass? What's going on in here? Who are all these people? Is that a drum circle? You have your own city? Wait, wait, no, no, this is the Autonomous Zone! Yay! Oh, for God's sake! It's a, it's a goddamn madhouse out there. Have you, have you seen the, the uh, uh, diversion, you know, out front? Yeah. Cool, huh? Oh, man. You know, I uh, scored some great Maui Wowie from some gal out there. She had great drums. What? It's progress, man. Progress? Well, you know, it, it would just be nice to get to the kitchen without having to go through the tents and pop-up vegan grocery store. Although, you know what? They did have some nice-looking produce. Greetings, friends, and uh, welcome in to this, the uh, 148th edition of Fusebox, uh, overwhelmingly entitled Underwhelming Overflow. And I'm your standing-in-line-for-a-completely-different-show host, Mark Rose, and uh, over there... Reading from the now time-worn pages of Steal This Book by Abby Hoffman is the guardian of the graphic EQ, Milk Cates, everybody. Wow. Talk about flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. You know, I could have said the anarchist cookbook, but uh, that's a little too on the nose, don't you think? Buddy, I just saw a doc on that guy the other day. Oh, yeah? William Powell? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Kind of a... Sad story in many ways. That guy was like 19 when he wrote the thing. Never expected it to be anything, but it, but it took off in a batshit crazy way. Oh, yeah, by far. So, you know, years later, the guy writes an Amazon review on his own book saying he wished it had never happened and would love to see it fall into the great unknown. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, not a chance. Especially now. I mean, uh, I, I'd be surprised if he didn't have a spike in sales. Oh, he won't see any of that. He sold the thing out years ago and clearly wants nothing to do with it. Wow, really? Huh. 
Well, friends, if there are any out there who uh, weren't around in uh, 1971 uh, when this thing came out, or just maybe have never heard of this tome, The Anarchist Cookbook, it was a publication written at a uh, very crucial time in our history here in the U.S. Uh, not too different from now, actually. <laughs> there was a, a, a huge amount of civil unrest due to the uh, Vietnam War, and of course, civil rights issues. And uh, this chap thought that uh, a good message would be to uh, show everybody instructions for the manufacture of, uh, you know, explosives, uh, rudimentary telecommunications, freaking devices, and uh, related weapons. As well, of course, as uh, instructions for the home manufacturing of illicit drugs, including LSD. So, uh, how much is this thing? <laughs> well, I think you can, uh, seriously, I think you can download a free uh, PDF if you're so inclined. But you know what? These things continue to rumble on here as well as we record this. The, the voices are still rising. The marching continues and uh, the modern day plague seems to be uh, escalating as well. Well, big surprise there, right? I mean, with everybody out and shaking it up out there, it was, it was bound to happen. The numbers are just going up on the cases of the vid. Yeah, and, uh, and at the same time, the uh, county in which we reside here in Portland, Oregon, has uh, just now entered what's known as Phase 1 reopening. And uh, we were the last holdout for that process, it would seem. Yeah, not a minute too soon either. Yeah, I need to get a haircut. <laughs> you know what? It was starting to feel like the old band days, you know, with that long, annoying hair. Yeah, I saw those pictures, bro. Was it like uh, down to your waist or something? <laughs> well, damn close. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yeah. Those, those definitely were the days, you know, plugging into that fully padded edition of the custom 100-watt guitar amp. Custom, with a K, right? You remember those. They had the, the, the Naga hide padding all over it. <laughs> it looked like a booth from a dive bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about those orange ones? Oh, well, the, well those are still around, Milt. Uh, it's an amp made in England called, uh, concretely, Orange. And uh, was, is, very bright orange. Yeah, those were the days. And uh, speaking of... Uh, vinyl albums <laughs> when we return and i find my lungs somewhere uh i want to introduce you to a really interesting chap that i discovered by accident on the uh, tube of you as uh, that algorithm can on occasion actually be quite cool and uh, uncover something uh, of note uh, as well, uh, we also have a uh, Spotlight on Film segment on a series currently running on Amazon Prime that I highly recommend. Back in a flash. And somebody must have got to all three of them. I think it was the lousiest decision I ever saw in my life. TheFuseBoxShow.com All righty then. You know, they have their own security patrol out there in the kitchen now. You know? Eco and Milo's autonomous zone. 
It's just out of control. I was getting a glass of water out there, and some seven-foot-tall guy with a blue mohawk asked for my papers. What the hell? You know, someone out there told me they had a protection racket going, too. Yeah, nice drum circle you have there. Be a shame if something happened to it. Well, you know what? We're going to have to have a chat with those two, you know? Really. So, uh, friends, if you've listened for a while to this program, and uh, if that's you, may I commend your excellent taste? Mm -hmm. If you have, then you know uh, my love of vinyl albums is, um, well... Come on, you hate them. Spill it, Rose. It's just, I'm not a big fan, okay? I I know there is this resurgence lately, and many folks love the uh, tactile nature of it, the big sleeves and the cool art and all that. And and quite frankly, so do I. I, I. I actually miss that component. The days of getting lost in the artwork while listening to a disc side to side. But you see, I'm just not at all crazy about this here audio quality. Or should I say, the distortion. Better known as warmth that many point to, or the fact that by playing the damn thing, you're slowly ruining it. But uh, be that as it may, this is not going to be another tedious and flaccid rant on vinyl records. No, it's not. Relax. Uh, Back in the 1970s, when uh, I was living in that place down there... That would be the F place... Florida. Yes, Mr. Keynes, you are correct. Uh, uh, back then, when I was actually fully immersed in this uh, vinyl thing and uh, hungry to know all I could about jazz by scouring from back issues of the Downbeat magazine and uh, the like, there was a local radio host uh, named Vic Hall who had <laughs> an incredible knowledge of recorded jazz. Who did it, who played on it, when it was recorded, and by who, and where, and the color of the shirt the engineer was wearing during the session. I learned so much from this guy. He sounded uh, like the guy who would have done a show like this in the 1950s. Had that, uh, that vocal texture that was really intriguing and had sort of a velvety tone and a very even delivery. It was just perfect for a program like that. So I, for one, got the uh, super deluxe jazz education from Mr. Hall, and uh, so I hope uh, did many who were tuned in on Wednesday nights to WUSF in Tampa back then. All this to set up uh, this delightful chap that I found uh, via the serendipity of a YouTube algorithmic event. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I I see in the window, you know, you know that that window that has a list of, well, you might also like this thing, you know, that suggestion of theirs. So there's a picture of this guy and he's holding up an album that I haven't thought about in years. One that I actually have in vinyl uh by a group called Magma. And and this was a band from France uh formed by a drummer named Christian Vander. Now, their deal was that they created a whole new world 
And they sang about this place in a language they created. Wait, what? what they, they sing in another language and it's only these folks who know what they're saying? Yep. And people buy this. Since 1969. Musically, it's like nothing you've ever heard. And I mean that in a good way. A very, very good way. And they're still at it to this day. I'd say it was firmly implanted in the uh, Prague Rock School, but uh, the, the chap holding up the cover of this album, he, he really intrigued me. I, I just wanted to know, all right, what the hell does he think of this? So, come to find out, he loves it and has every album they have ever produced. <laughs> the chap's name is Derek Higgins, and for him, uh, this is not really extraordinary. He's an avid record collector, has thousands of vinyl albums and uh, all different genres and can speak about them with uh, more than just a passing knowledge. Many of these uh, uh, record collectors, enthusiasts, whatever, uh, are really in it for the collection aspect, you know? And it's not really for the music as much. And there's guitar collectors who collect for the same purpose, investment, not playability. Well... Derek here is in it for the music. He just happens to enjoy vinyl. Um, moreover, Derek is a musician himself and has had a bit of success over the years, And I understand. And uh, he's about 64 and uh, just as involved now uh, in all of it as ever. So I, I, I uh, found his YouTube channel. It's a Derek Vaughn, one word, and you spell that D-E-R-E-C-K-V-O-N. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy. Man, he, he's he's been doing this for like 10 years. Looks like almost daily, too. Shit. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll link to his channel in the show notes, you know, for sure. Uh, so, I'm, I'm watching this guy. He's talking about magma, and then... He uh, moves on to a few other evergreens of prog rock like uh, PFM and Gentle Giant and King Crimson. And then, just as fast, come a slew of Japanese fusion folks from the 70s, of course, I have never heard of. <laughs> Akira Ishikawa, Hiro Inagaki and Soul Media, and a bunch of others. And I... I, I, I Right after watching that vid, I promptly go to YouTube, search them, and find their albums, by the way, and uh, absolutely love it. It's incredibly wonderful stuff, and you have to ask yourself, how the hell did I miss all this at that time? Now, clearly, a lot of these things were imports. They're not uh, distributed domestically too much. Um, but I, I, I have to do that because, unfortunately, on Derek's channel there, he can't play any of the music that he's uh, showing. It's not his fault. He'd love to, but the legalities of the YouTube tentacle uh, kind of prohibit that. But as soon as I listen to these folks, I'm hooked. So then I, I decided to, to look at some more uh, of his posts, some more recent ones, and uh, in his current shows, it becomes very clear that uh, in addition to the record commentary, which he does expertly, uh, Derek reflects on the current state of affairs in our world with equal passion. He lives in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and as an African-American guy, he has experienced precisely 
and directly what the recent protests and civil disobedience are all addressing. And I got to say, he, he, he suffers no fools in uh, either the uh, page's comment section area there or the channel itself. And he's often deleting folks who are clearly trolls and stating very clearly why he did it. As a matter of fact, he encourages a discourse <laughs> when, when they can. I probably should mention that uh, Mr. Higgins also has a background in mental health counseling, and it's uh, clear from how he communicates with the audience that this is, a, this is a very genuine chap who is uncompromising in his personal opinions, but uh, very open to uh, opposing views as well, as long as it's an intelligent conversation. But he's got very clear boundaries, especially when it comes to white folks telling him how he's supposed to feel about present-day things. Yeah, that's, that's just a little crazy anyway. How the hell would we ever know what it's like to be a black person in the United Snakes of America? I mean, if we did, then we wouldn't have any of this shit happening now. Right. And then we could just continue raiding their cultural heritage and be completely guiltless. So, friends... I, I really, seriously, I recommend uh, Derek's channel for the uh, education on many levels. It's become a, a morning ritual for me. His uh, posts run between, I don't know, five and sometimes 18, 19 minutes, but they're all very well worth the time. He's already introduced me to folks I've never heard of, and uh, also a few I had heard of, but were clueless as to what they were all about. And uh, his observations are insightful. So uh, check him out. He'll be listed there in the uh, show notes as well. Yes, and but also, while we're at it, here's another example of a force for good as we take a gander at a uh, new series currently available on Amazon Prime. And now, Spotlight on Film. So, you know, there's a lot of adapting going on these days, friends. Books being adapted to films, comics, of course, uh, the ever-present video game adaptations. But I must confess, I believe this is the very first time a series of paintings have been adapted for a television series. Tales from the Loop is a uh, drama series based on the art of Simon Stallenhag that was uh, released a short while ago on Prime Video. The uh, series was inspired by Stallenhag's narrative art book called Tales from the Loop. And uh, the series premiered on April 3rd of 2020. The uh, series, as I mentioned, is available on Prime Video in both high-definition and 4K Ultra high-definition, should you be so equipped. Tales from the Loop explores the town and people who live above the loop, which is a machine built to unlock and explore the mysteries of the universe, making things possible that were previously relegated only to science fiction. So, in this rather mysterious town, which uh, resembles a mix of the far future tech and, uh, I'd say, 1970, 
All the cars and uh, a lot of the common day household items look like they walked off the shelves of a Montgomery Ward store catalog circa 1973. Seriously, uh, it really does. And all the stories are told from a very poignant and character-driven perspective, which is always refreshing for a a series of this kind. Uh, Following the discovery of um, the eclipse, which is this incredible organic yet uh, geometric spheroid object, the Mercer Center for Experimental Physics, or the LOOP, was built around it to conduct a variety of experiments. Now, artifacts from these experiments litter the surrounding uh, countryside of Mercer, Ohio. And uh, a part of this series that I love, these artifacts, they're never really explained as to what they are or how they got there or why. (laughs) One thing that is crystal clear, though, is that when folks encounter these things, odd stuff happens. The strange experiments conducted by The Loop have uh, power over time, space, perception, emotion, and memory. They're uh, responsible for odd phenomena, including people in buildings disappearing, objects floating, strange vibrations, and mysterious time-shifting. The series is, uh, for the most part, unconcerned with trying to explain the mythology of the loop, but it is masterfully focused on telling human stories with the uh, quirky elements as a backdrop. Showrunner Nathaniel Helpburn has stated that uh, one not need fuss over the lore or dive into supplemental material in order to uh, enjoy the series. He has also stated that the series is meant to be an emotional series, not cynical, not doom and gloom. Tales from the Loop was released for eight episodes for its uh, first season. All episodes were written by series creator Nathaniel Halpern, although there have been a lot of reviews for the series that have described it as an anthology whose episodes could possibly be watched in any order, showrunner Nathaniel Halpern stated uh, in an interview that he feels describing the program as an anthology series puts an image in people's minds that's incorrect and that the episodes should be watched in order, and I totally agree with that. Um, And once you get in, you'll see why. Tales from the Loop author and series co-producer Simon Stahlenhag serves as a consultant for the series, He says what he was most excited to see in the adaptation was the close-ups of people's faces. As while he could write about characters and feelings and paint people, he can't paint close-ups. I can add, too, that the uh, storytelling tone of this series is uh, definitely a uh, more than respectful nod to directors like Ingmar Bergman and uh, Andrei Tarkovsky. And the other thing is that the pace of this thing is very deliberate. And not flashy, or as I'm fond of saying, networky. Giving you time to take this place in. And friends, you very much want to take this place in. The attention to detail in not only the performances, but capturing exactly the look and feel of uh, Stalinhag's art is utterly remarkable. Some great performances in this by Jane Alexander and Jonathan Price as well as uh, Rebecca Hall and M.J. Anthony. Everybody is really quite 
terrific in this thing. I don't think, in spite of some reviewers saying that the pace was a, a little bit slow for them, everybody's agreed that this is a, a masterfully done series and intriguing as hell. And I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm always puzzled by the, uh, the pacing issue, particularly in this country. <laughs> a 15-frame cut is just too damn long for some people. They clearly have been conditioned to have the attention span of a fruit fly. Well worth your eyeballs, friends. And uh, some of Stalinhag's images are uh, also linked in the show notes to give you a feel of the place. Highly, highly recommended, folks. You have been listening to Spotlight on Film. Uh, so, Mr. Keynes, were you thrilled and amazed by the hordes of raving Trump fanatics in Tulsa? All 150 of them. Yeah. But the overflow. The overflow. Did I hear right? They, they were expecting, like, what, a million people? <laughs> in his wettest of dreams. It appears that a bunch, a bunch of very clever TikTok viewers and a large contingent of uh, K-pop fans were uh, registering for the rally as a prank, giving the impression that there was going to be a lot of folks wanting to go to this thing, uh, inspiring Orange Guy to say, As you probably have heard, uh, and we're getting exact numbers out, but we're either close to or over one million people wanting to go. Uh, we have a 22,000-seat arena, but I think we're going to also take the convention hall next door, and that's going to hold 40,000, so we'll have 22,000 plus 40,000, which would mean that we'd have over 900,000 people that won't be able to go, but uh, hopefully they'll be watching. But it's uh, it's an amazing, nobody's ever heard of numbers like this. I think we're going to have a... You know, and I just love how they position shots of that rally to make it look like it was quasi-packed. Until you get that rack focus shot. Then it's just 35 guys from a work release program and some inflatable dolls and MAGA <laughs> Yeah, it's a massive turnout. Bigly huge. That had to be a high-quality cringe moment. Taking down that other outdoor stage. Because the overflow just went undertow. I mean, the guy isn't looking well, you know? All other stuff aside, I, I, I think he's falling apart. Maybe the insect died. Do you think the insect would have him? I mean... Don't know, bro. Well, you know, maybe if he drank some bleach, then we could shine like a high-intensity UV lamp at him to, to see. Yeah, seems to have a light drinking issue, too. Did you see that? Yeah, the two-hand save. Yeah, sad. It's almost hard to feel angry with the guy. Nah. Nah. And uh, with that, we'll take our sheer lack of determination and scuttle sideways under the Barca lounger. But not before thanking our tireless contributors to uh, this edition of Fusebox, Sabra May and Jeff Pollard. Thanks, as always, to the autonomous autocrat of audio, Milt Keynes, for technical assistance and such. An underwhelming pleasure, as always. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thanks as well to you all, friends, for uh, pushing play on this edition of the show. For, as we know, what the hell would we be doing here without you? I'd be cleaning the gutters, I think. Yeah, 
May I suggest that you please make、uh, life one tick easier for yourself by clicking subscribe to this humble offering wherever you may have found this show, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or the very OnSug itself at onsug.com. Maybe give us a few dozen stars too, if available. That always helps our efforts here, friends. As does a trip to the Fuse Box store, which I know now folks are、uh, taking the cue and going over there. You know how? By merely clicking down there in the show notes. Or you can go to the、uh, Fuse Box page at the Fuse Box Show at、uh, Facebook there. And、uh, clicking the Shop Now button, or at thefuseboxshow.com and clicking the Shopping tab. We've had a run on、uh, masks lately, and、uh, I like the Nixon one. <laughs> that, that may be coming. I don't know.、Uh, the、uh, now required in many states、uh, cloth mask, emblazoned with、uh, perhaps the Fusebox logo and/or. Assorted other designs, lovingly created by our partner in audio crime over there, Jeff Pollard. I see、uh, interest there, and、uh, there shall be some、uh, new designs forthcoming. I'm, I'm, I'm going to assure you. So、uh, stay tuned for that info, as well as discounts, which are generally available all the time on the select merchandise over there. So just go and、uh, have a carefree time of it, won't you? I hope so. So, friends, stay safe and、uh, continue to fight the good fight wherever you may be. And、uh, I have been your underwhelmed but overcharged, just the same, host Mark Rose, saying until our next cartoon. Fuse.